0: The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though... I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This morning, we pick up where we left off last week. Roy did a great job of Bringing us into knowing God as our shepherd. Today, here's how it continues You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Let me just say that again. (laughs) You prepare a table for me, in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Amen. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Spirit of the living God, please help us to completely believe this for ourselves this Christmas season. In the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Hey, the Christmas season is really ironic because it is the most wonderful time of the year. It's the happiest season of all. Kids jingle-belling and everyone telling to be of good cheer, right? You know, there's a, there's lights set up in different places for us to go and see. There's lights on our houses. There's uh, lights on the Christmas tree. There's there's decorations. There's Christmas parties, Christmas movies. There's um, lots of food, family get-togethers, gift giving, hot chocolate, and more hot chocolate. And yet at the same time, here's the reality. Um, December kind of gives us, some of us, a chance to escape a little bit. If we try really hard, we can forget just for a little while that it's really cold outside. It's going to be wet and dreary. Um, Darkness starts to fall, it feels like, right after we eat lunch. (laughs) I know you know. You're on your way home from work and it feels like 1 a.m. There's no vitamin D. Okay, Some of us are parents. Our kids are that much more confined inside the house. Do I need to say more? <laughs> uh, stuff gets weird during this time of the year. There, there is There's like sickness, there's viruses, there's stuff that just begins to run rampant and... Um, January, we're all going to be right back to where we were today, at the end of November, whatever it looks like for you. There will still be bills to pay. There will still be marital conflict. Uh, there will still be struggles in relationships, and heartbreak, and loss, and um, your body may still be ailing, and there may still be sickness. Uh the brokenness of, of our lives doesn't take a month off. Not only that, but if you just watch the news during this time, um, the, the, the brokenness of our, our world doesn't take a month off. It's, it's not as if during Christmas season, um, all of a sudden there's way less greed and, and, and pride and infidelity and murder and envy and jealousy anxiety, depression. Are you feeling what I'm what I'm saying? These things don't go anywhere. And so what we're tempted to do during this time is to kind of try to slap like a band-aid over it for what it's worth. I'll kind of ignore these things maybe if I can for a little bit. That's some of you. Uh, Others of you, you just don't like Christmas season because to you it just feels fake. It feels empty. It feels like, you know, I'm up here wearing my my fun festive sweater, you know, and and there's a lack of substance for you. I want to let you know I've been there. Here's what I want to argue this morning. I want to drive this home my life and your life, they every day are at the mercy of our ideas and the way we think. That is never more true than with our ideas about God. Christmas can either be a time of escapism and maybe some coasting, maybe a time of cynicism, or God let it be, a time of deep faith, hope, joy, love. Why? Simply because of who our God is. Simply because of who we worship. He's unchanging. And here's the burden that I carry today. The burden I carry is that, and I'm right there with you, we are operating in a way where we don't really know who God is. And so, in a season like this, we don't give ourselves to discovering more of what that is. We confine ourselves to tradition. We confine ourselves to, sure, the angels singing and Jesus being born, it's supposed to mean something. But it lacks personal substance for us. It does not go deep in our hearts. In Psalm 23... King David, who scholars would say wrote this as a king, and like a really big king, a powerful king, who used to be a shepherd, takes us back into his life as a shepherd to say, God himself, I just, can we just take this in? God himself, the maker of heaven and earth, would stoop down and be a lowly, lowly shepherd to the likes of me and you And we did nothing to earn or deserve that. That is our blessed hope, that God would shepherd our hearts and our minds, that we would know him like that. And so I I want you to follow along as we read through the second half of this psalm, because right out of the gate, the first negative thing is introduced in the psalm. Okay, It's, it's like really great things beautiful things. If you're a person in the room, your picture of God's word is that it's just a lot of sweet nothings and a lot of fancy uh, sounding phrases and just religious words. I'm here to let you know that presumption is wrong. God's word is filled with things that capture real life. And here's the first thing in verse 4 that David says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, many of you may have heard Psalm 23 used at a funeral. Maybe you've heard it used at a bedside at a hospital, which is fitting. But I want to ask the question, what is the valley of the shadow of death? Um, Have you ever wondered how to define that, how to describe to someone who's maybe never heard Psalm 23, what's the valley of the shadow of death? David would use it because as a shepherd, when his sheep were grazing in pasture and drinking from water, and then they needed to move and herd to another place, often point A to point B would be filled with daunting terrain. There would be Actual, literal valleys that the sheep would need to make their way through with steep mountainsides. And here's here's the key. Predators. They would not be in a position of anything but disadvantage because they'd be in a low position and there would, just imagine, the actual shadows that would come from the hills and the mountainsides around them. And if anyone wanted to descend and attack, they would succeed. What was the sheep's what was the flock's hope in those moments? It was their shepherd who was there to defend them. The valley of the shadow of death, commentators agree that the definition isn't perfectly clear. Here's what we do know. It is describing and it is capturing something in your life and mind that is dark. The original Hebrew would mean um, dark, darkest valley deep darkness. And so um, in your life and mine, imagine something that that is a reality that's fearful, a reality that is uh, dangerous, something that is uncertain, something that might feel gloomy, something that leads you into hopelessness or despair. Um, I'm not a fool because I'm a human being too. You have walked in here this morning to this church carrying something of those things. And there's something in your heart right now that is just settled with darkness. Uh, what I want to take us to in this psalm is back to the beginning um, when Adam and Eve rejected God in the book of Genesis. And they, in essence, wanted to be their own God. And there was something introduced in Genesis chapter 3. Many of us know this it's the, the curse, the fall of sin. And it introduced into the world and it brought with it all these manifestations of vice and, and, and sickness and death itself, so much so that we cannot look around in our world and imagine a world without those things. That feels so strange to us, so weird to us to think about actual, literal, perfect peace every day, in every situation, no threats to our life, no reason for tears, nothing at all that is broken and evil and dark. We don't know that. That's not the world that we live in. And the prophet Isaiah, in his 25th chapter, he would call this something like a cloud, like a mountainous shadow that just hovers over all of our lives in this era of humanity, and we're all living under it right now. And and, and sometimes we don't even notice the shadow We've just gotten used to it. We've accepted it. We've learned to live with it and cope with it. It's destroyed our hope because we've stopped believing that there's something better. We stopped believing that there is actually a desire in God's heart to make this not our reality. And that he's actually done something to begin that work 2,000 years ago. He's actually begun something that's going to usher in a future for you and I that by faith in Jesus, is full of light, and that darkness is removed. The message of the Bible is clear. It's that the curse of sin is real. It's corrupted us in our lives, and we know deep down that this is not the way that it is supposed to be. Diverse are the stories in this room that have felt the pain of this fallen life that we live. Diverse are the stories in my own city group We've spent many Wednesday nights this last semester, people two or three at a time sharing their stories and answering the questions of how did you come to know Jesus? What uh, was the picture of your upbringing? What circumstances in life drove you to faith in God? And I'm telling you, sitting in my living room at my house and listening to the stories of, of people all of whom have in their own ways experienced pain and loss and and heartbreak and anxiety and loneliness and depression and addiction and health woes, broken relationships, the many days in life even now that are lived in the valley of the shadow of death. But here's the promise that is made in that 25th chapter of Isaiah. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in this salvation. This is why David can say, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. The rod and the staff are pictures for us in our mind's eye to see the work of a shepherd. And if I could just cut to the chase, church. I don't know if you know God like this, but I sure hope we can all grow in knowing Him like this. He is a God who fights for us. He actually wants to contend for you in the spiritual battles that face you every day. He wants to fight your battles. This is who he is. I don't know what your story so far has looked like. I don't know how you've related to him. If it's even come close to the fact that you wake up each day and think, today, God, you're mindful of me. God, you're my shepherd. My shepherd. Your rod and your staff that are meant back in those days to protect from foes, to ward off predators. God, you stand ready each morning to fight battles for me. I'm not made to fight them by myself. This is incredible what grace and what mercy this is. And it's it's as if David knew that we needed a picture or an image for us to realize this for ourselves. So I want to draw you in right now to what I think is the highlight of this chapter and the highlight of these three verses. Here it is oh man, this is amazing. Think about this. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Right now, in your life, what is the problem? What's the issue? What's the pain? What's the sorrow? What's the unmet expectation? What's the broken relationship? What's the health woe? What is the threat of death? Where is sin reigning and ruling and, and addiction is taken over and, and there's habits forming and it's destructive? There is Yahweh. Sorry, on. Sit down mm-hmm. at the table. <laughs> it is not a table that's made when you have managed to ward off all the enemies It's not a table made when you've managed to escape from all of them and find a quiet place where they are not to be found. Imagine standing in the middle of a literal valley, proverbial enemies all around you, and right there, right there, is sitting someone at a table with a chair pulled out for you. And here's what makes all the difference. Is who is sitting in the other chair. Can we just stop for a moment? This should be life changing to know God this way. Despite everything that attacks. In spite of everything that attacks. There is God with a rod and a staff. And this is what this is saying. What a picture. This is saying, Christian, there is nothing in your life and in my life, nothing, that should have the kind of vote, the kind of influence to our well-being than the one who sits on the other side of that table right there. Every noise, everything around us, Every source of information, everything in the world, everything the enemy is feeding into our mind day in, day out, whatever person, whatever problem, whatever issue, right there is God saying, I'm the only one with authority. They don't have it. That's right. I'm the only one that gets to cast the vote. I'm on. I'm on. It is well with your soul That's right. because you belong to me. That's right. I am undefeated, I'm, on. I'm God. I'm God. There's no one before me. There is no one that will come after me. I have all power, all knowledge, all sovereignty. I am providing everything. If you trust in Jesus, this is your lot in life. I can't believe this is my lot in life, y'all. I can't believe I, Glenn... I get to, every day, choose, no matter what the day held before, the night held before, whatever sin I'm gripped in, whatever mistakes I've made, whatever I've said or done, however I've sinned against him, there he is. You are righteous in my sight because of the blood of my son. He came in that manger for this purpose, this Christianity is only and always about Emmanuel, God with us. Stop right there. You're trying to move on. You're trying to learn other things. You're trying, ah, that's great. Stop. <laughs> Fellowship, friendship, oneness with God is what we were made for and what sin robbed from us. Our sin. And until we turn from that, until we repent from that, until we bow our knee to God and say, I want to be reconciled to you, we will not know this table. Yeah. We will not know his voice. We will not hear from him. We will be left to meet life's demands with sources and resources that we do not possess. Only God does. And so here's what I love I love that it's in the presence of enemies. Because if you think about that pseudo-practically, that means that every time that God heals your heart or changes your perspective about something, it means that every time God relieves your sadness or strengthens your weakness or sustains you when you feel like you can't persevere, it means that every time um, God reminds you of what is true when you're not believing it, every time that He restores your peace, It is not a removal of Satan. It's not necessarily a removal of sin or trial or conflict, but it is a greater and greater and greater flexing in the face of those things. Your faith ought to be defiant. My faith ought to be defiant. We choose each day. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies every time that something is overcome it is a greater power displayed it is a it is a peace that i get to experience that the world does not know of yes, yes. only jesus can provide it so listen born again blood bought spirit sealed children of the most high god i just however this applies to you you have already won. Victory is already yours. You are a conqueror because of Christ in you. The outcome is set and determined for eternity. You walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You and I, that's not our destination or our dwelling place. We walk through it, and we do that many times in this life. It is not where we end up permanently. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, our deliverer. When trial comes, when pain comes, right now, whatever it is today, this morning, uh, when the enemies of your peace and, and joy and hope show up, God says, sit down. Take a seat. Sit down, please. Please, please, the seat is right there. Sit down and look at me. Listen to me. Exhale. Breathe. Child, whatever this is, I've overcome it. Dine with me. Be with me. Talk with me. When we don't choose to do that, it looks like going to church for 30 to 40 minutes of nuggets from his word and then devouring information and thinking things all throughout the week that make whatever deposit was made gone and obsolete. We tend to regularly dine with and spend quiet time with and entertain thoughts from the world and from the evil one. And it looks like nursing negative emotions looks like being content with a view of God that is a small measure of who he actually is. And it's a regular refusal. Oh, church. It's a regular refusal to learn more. I I hate to say that because I don't want you to hear that from me. Like, I'm I'm not refusing that. I just, let me make a confession right now to you. And I, I, you know, this is my problem. I, I would think that it's probably yours too. This is why I need Christmas. Like, this is why I need Christmas time. Um, my awareness of and my sensitivity to every problem and issue and fear in my life can easily, easily, easily outweigh my awareness of and sensitivity to God with me. And when this changes— When time is spent with God in the study of his word, in prayerful conversation, in pursuit of him, in quiet reflection of who he is, when I'm calling and commanding my own soul, believe this truth, believe this. This is true. This is actually true. Here's how David describes the table of fellowship that you and I can find. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. This isn't like you sustain me you make everything okay. This is you. This is this is blessing. This is abundance. This is you, you anoint me. Um, this is indicative uh, in Scripture with oil of, of saying the Holy Spirit's presence, God's presence and power are with me, so much so that I overflow. Uh, um, R.C. Sproul uh, is a, a late great author, pastor, here's a quote from him. It won't be up on the screen, so just listen to me. The pursuit of God is not a part-time weekend exercise. If it is, chances are you will experience a part-time weekend freedom. That's right. Come on. Come on. Come on. Uh, I love the picture of olive oil that a shepherd would use for his sheep. Um, there were often parasites and bugs, and so the shepherd would take oil and would anoint the sheep's head and nose and ears um, to ward off those things. And it, it was a picture of one thing for the sheep, and it's a picture of one thing that i long for all of us. Relief. Yes. Relief. What is it that has you anxious? Where does fear linger? Jehovah Nisi. It's a God who puts up a banner of victory over you. It's a God who contends for you with a strength so much greater than his own. It's a God who in the mundane, every day, as you wake up, go to work, watch the kids, pick them up, sleep, eat, whatever. He's there. He's with you. Sit down. Sit down. Relief. I know that might seem far from us right now. I know relief might seem difficult to grasp, but it is there supernaturally for every child of God who places their faith in Jesus. Relief. I want relief. One day we are going to experience that in its fullest sense we will no longer know the presence of sin and that is because jesus overcame the grave and he has the power to conquer forever Satan, sin and death itself our greatest enemies the language of my cup overflowing i'll close with this this is what we need to see in one another not just a cup that's filled, but a cup that is overflowing. What I mean by that is um, many of us underestimate the influence that we carry when we choose peace in Jesus. We underestimate the influence that we carry with those around us when we actually allow God to be God and give us contentment and peace and joy even in the midst of and in spite of circumstances we completely underestimate the testimony that one another can give. I don't know about you, but my life has been changed by men and women who've been around me and have witnessed to the goodness of God in difficult seasons. So, would our application be that we would so choose to take a seat at that table that it wouldn't just bless us, it would bless those around us. Here's what people, Christians, here's what people in your life don't need this season. They don't need your Christmas fashion. They don't need your amazing thoughtful gifts. They don't ultimately need your well-lit house and Christmas tree and your hosting abilities. They don't need the decorations. They don't need all of that. Those aren't bad things. People don't need that from you. That's right. People need to see a person who is grounded and rooted and content and at peace because they belong to God in a world that does not. That's right. May our cup overflow. And listen to this final promise. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I shall know his presence forever. That word follow, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. The translation for that is radaf, and it's militaristic. It it means to pursue. It means to chase down. It means to hunt. This is a picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is a picture of the good news of Christianity when you and I were stuck in our own sin and our own problems, we had defied God, we would rebelled against Him, we tried to rival Him in our lives, and we were deserving of punishment, we were deserving of justice, we were deserving of hell. God, unlike every other false God that exists in our world, the one true God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, He sent Christ to die for us. God is a God who looks to you and your life, and He wants to make it personal. He knows you. He knows the hair, the number of hairs on your head. He knits you together in your mother's womb. He loves you. He wants and desires relationship and friendship with you. Oh, to know friendship with God. There's nothing like that. Nothing can compare to that. And He has afforded every way. Jesus said, I am the way the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Faith in Jesus means believing that his sacrifice in your place on the cross, his shed blood, can mean you can be forgiven. His resurrection means you can be set free and made new. And his ascension, his life right now in heaven above, means that you can belong to him and he can keep you and hold you forever. Will you trust him? Will you take up his invitation, perhaps this morning for the first time, to sit down at that table? Let's pray. God, thank you this morning that your presence is here. Thank you to even this morning you have prepared a table for us. And we've been sitting here with you. God, I'm asking that what would come to bear on our thought life this Christmas, what would come to bear on our heart's desires would simply be more of an awareness of you, more of a familiarity with your voice, more of a trust in your promises. And should we doubt, should we question, should we wonder if you are who you say you are, and if you love us the way that you claim that you do, may we look to the manger in Bethlehem, God who became flesh to dwell among us, a life lived in perfect holiness, an innocent death died on a cross, and a resurrection defying all of our enemies we love you Jesus because you first loved us and I'm asking Holy Spirit right now that CLB would actually choose choose God that we would make the choice this Christmas to sit down with you to take you up on the invitation to sit at the table and listen and talk and know you you already know us (laughs) wow god thank you that that reality is afforded to us may we not live beneath our privileges in jesus christ all god's people said amen